0: this in a moment, but Samson is speaking here and it says, and Samson said to them, out of the eater came something to eat and out of the strong came something sweet. Out of the eater came something to eat and out of the strong came something sweet. And in three days they could not solve the riddle and and from this I, I want to share something with you that is so near and dear to my heart in fact i don't I don't say this lightly I, I've come today with with a, a word that I think that God is really trying to communicate to someone or to a group of someone's here today I, I've been my family and I we've been through a really difficult season and and the Lord has been just really laying some things in my heart that I pray helps you experience a turnaround here today. And I want to talk to you for just a few moments on the subject the fight for joy. The fight for joy. Now, how many of you have ever heard a preacher say, I'm drawing to a close? You ever, you ever hear that? Well, I was born and raised in a pastor's home. I've been in and around church all of my life, and I've heard that said countless times. I'm drawing to a close. And I, and I, I finally figured out what that means. When a preacher says, I'm drawing to a close, it means three things it means number one it's a call to to really pay attention to what they're getting ready to say that's the point in time when you put facebook away and you set down instagram and you really lean in to what's being said because there's going to be some really powerful stuff that's always shared right after i'm drawing to a close Secondly, when a pastor says, I'm drawn to a close, it means that's the point in time to really kind of come alive and get involved and participate. Maybe get a little noisy. Say things like, amen, that's good, wow, preach it, white boy. Whatever it is, whatever it is that just comes up out of you, the pastor's looking for some some response. And then the third thing that I determine. It means when they say, I'm drawing to a close, that they've got about 30 minutes left to preach. So that's why here at the very beginning of my message, I just want to say, I'm drawing to a close. Because I'd like for you to really pay attention and to get a little noisy, and I've got about 30 minutes left to deliver. <laughs> The fight for joy. There there is this strong directive given by our great God that reverberates throughout both the Old and the New Testaments. And and that, that directive is very simply, come out from among them and be separate. In other words, there, there are supposed to be some, some distinctives associated with those of us who, who number on God's side, who align ourselves with heaven. There, there are there are supposed to be some some hallmarks that are there are supposed to be some some demarcations associated with the people of God when it comes to the rest of the world there, there are supposed to be some things about us that are different that cause us to stand out that are meant to set us apart from the greater world culture from greater society from the world system from the way our neighbors conduct themselves the way that those in our community community the way that they they operate in the way that they function. There are supposed to be some things that are different about us. And it does not, it does not require one to be a, a Bible scholar to see that one of those main distinctions, one of those most important distinctives that set us apart, again, in both the Old and the New Testament is that we are supposed to be a people of joy. We are supposed to be filled with joy. Our lives marked by joy. Not just the the recipients or the enjoyers of joy, but even take it to another level where we are the dispensers of joy the catalysts for joy. I believe that everywhere we go, we are, we are meant to inspire joy. Joy in the, the hearts of our spouse, joy in our children, joy among our co-workers, joy in our church gatherings. We are to inspire joy joy is meant to be found wherever god's people are found in fact i will say this i believe that christians are supposed to be the happiest people on the planet i believe that christians should be the most joy-filled people on the earth i think christians should be the nicest and the most fun people to be around. Listen, even when spirituality and and having a defined connection was saddled with with legalism and following 613 rules to produce, to self-produce some level of righteousness, some acceptability in the eyes of God, even when it was, when the responsibility rested on us to to come close to God and to bridge the the gap of separation, even then, under that old dispensation, in that Old Testament, even then, joy was meant to be a, a part of who we were and what we were about the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter number 12 and verse number 3 said this he said with joy with joy will you draw water from the wells of salvation again his audience at that time were people that were slaving away working away to put a smile on God's face Never ever wondering if they were good enough, never ever wondering if they were acceptable enough. People that would wake up every morning, go to bed every night, wondering if they if they dotted every I and crossed every T, what, what pressure, what stress. But even then joy was meant to be a hallmark of their existence. With joy will you draw water from the wells of salvation. And then, of course, as we step into the new dispensation, when we when we step into the New Testament, Jesus has come and he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the, the world. And, and through faith, through faith in Jesus, we are made righteous. The pressure now is off of us. We're not slaving away to try to put a smile on God's face because of what Jesus did on the cross and our faith in that finished work of calvary we can all sit here today relaxed and comfortable a huge load's been taken off our shoulders because he's done it all he did it he did it all he paid the price and we're reaping the benefit that in and of itself should produce joy in our hearts and lives but now in 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 this new dispensation in this time of the new covenant if if joy was meant to be a hallmark then it it certainly is now and and that's why the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 4 calls us to joy he says rejoice in the Lord always again I will say rejoice rejoice and then he goes and references and emphasizes it again if if you didn't get the picture the first time guys let me tell you again rejoice put a little joy in your heart have a little joy in your life paul makes this great emphasis on joy and perhaps the reason for it is because he saw what I see playing out quite often in, in, in the church and amongst God's people. Maybe he saw what, what, what I see playing out even in my own life and what, what my family and I have been dealing with and that is very simply we gather together and we sit in sacred spaces and together we sing happy songs and we clap our hands along to a happy beat and we are worshiping a happy god but we are anything but happy We've mastered the ability to paint a smile on our face and say the right things and give the impression as though we are people of joy, but if we could pull back the cover deep down inside, we're not experiencing joy unspeakable and full of glory. There is not a fountain of joy that is bubbling up on the inside of us. And this has been my story. For a year and a half, I've been in a position where I've pretended to be filled with joy and joy has been very scarce, very scarce in my heart and life. And I'm sure that many of you will understand where i've been coming from instead of joy there is a large amount of stress there's tension there's anxiety frustration anger disappointment and think about think about the 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 irony of it we're clapping our hands singing about joy we love jesus he's so great hallelujah he reigns african plain amazon rain he reigns (laughs) and inside my my feeling is I want to be able to, on the inside, be able to sing that song from the Lego movie, that happy song, everything is awesome, everything is awesome, but I don't feel that way. There's there's a, a swirl, a dark cloud of emotions, things playing out on the inside of me, but But listen to me here today, my my friends, joy, joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit, which means that despite what you may be feeling on the inside and despite your circumstances, the potential to produce all of the fruit of the Spirit, all of those things, they have been deposited within us it's like a great when the holy spirit comes and and fills us and is and is in our life there's this seed packet that's deposited on the inside of us and and the, the potential to produce all the fruit are there in that seed packet and and here's the thing as we begin to walk out our faith and live out our lives for jesus these fruit And today, specifically, the fruit of joy, they can be produced. The good news is they can be produced and they should be produced. But some, some of these fruit, I believe, just need some more cultivation and some more attention than others. I'm no green thumb, but I've observed some things and and raising plants and, and producing flowers and fruit. When I, was, when I was a boy growing up in Marietta, Ohio, we lived on County House Lane, and, and my mom planted one-year marigolds out in front of our house. And, and I'm not sure, honestly, why she, she chose to plant marigolds because they're kind of ugly, And they smell bad but she planted marigolds and no offense to those of you that love love marigolds I love you and you should love me even though I don't love marigolds but my mom she planted marigolds and she did that one year and she never planted another marigold seed again, but because of the, the nature of that flower, of the abundance of seeds that it produces, and its, and its ability to kind of just spring up over and over and over again, every year marigolds would bloom in front of my parents' house. It was like so easy, and, and maybe that's why my mom did it. She wanted to not have the hassle of ever having to do anything in the garden again. So, bam, marigolds. Now we've got marigolds for 25 years. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it was so easy. They were there. They were, they were enjoyed by maybe one or two people in the neighborhood. <laughs> but, then, but then when I got married, I, I saw a whole nother, another thing play out. So, my wife, her family's from Mexico. And, you know, it's, it's really, when you get away from the beaches down there, it's really, like, hot and desert-like. And so there's a lot of cactus. And so I'm assuming just all Mexicans love cactus because my wife has, like, a million cactus in our house. Like, she's a cactus farmer. And she had this, she had this one cactus that, that was supposed to produce this beautiful, beautiful flower. And so my wife worked this cactus for years. I mean, for years she had that thing, and it was like in a place of prominence in the kitchen, like where the where the sunlight came through the window in the perfect spot. She would position that cactus there. And she nurtured it, babied it anytime we would move, practically would bring it with us on vacation. Like she was sold out to see in this cactus produce this gorgeous, gorgeous flower. And listen, no joke, for years she tried to get that fruit, that flower to produce, and it never did. And she got to the point where she was really frustrated and she was getting ready to just be done with the cactus altogether and of course i was secretly thrilled about that but she was she was almost done with the cactus for good and then one day after years of work and cultivation and focus and intention guess what the cactus produced the most beautiful flower gorgeous flower and she was so happy and 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 i was hugging her and kissing her and said baby i've 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 been praying for this for you all this time i i i've been with you on this like let's celebrate this moment how does this make you feel do you want to kiss some more i mean this is great like I'm excited to let's let's kiss yeah let's celebrate but the cactus produced the flower and listen one could argue based on the Apostle Paul's doubly emphasized admonition that joy is one such fruit that joy at least in my life joy is more like my wife's cactus than it is my mom's marigolds. So I submit to you here today, those of you that number yourself amongst God's people, that consider yourself to be people of the name of Jesus, those of you that consider yourselves to be a part of heaven's army, those of you that are saved, however we want to self-identify, I submit to you that because that joy is such a profound hallmark because it is such a unique distinctive that we must fight for joy. We must fight for it. The psalmist David in Psalm chapter 51 and verse number 12 prays this Restore to me. The joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy. Restore to me joy. And the Apostle Paul said twice, rejoice. Here's the thing as I started thinking about restore joy and rejoice, you can't re anything. Unless you had it to begin with. Like, I can't say to you, hey, let, let's, let's get together after church and let's reconnect. Because we've never connected in the first place. I can't say to you, hey, let, let's, let's review some of those documents again together. Because we never looked at any papers to begin with. So restoring joy, rejoicing is really always about, hear me and don't miss this, is about returning and revisiting a site of victory, a place of mercy and grace a memory of provision and blessing that if we're going to have joy if we're going to restore the joy and rejoice we've got to adopt and, and develop the habit of returning and going back to places in our life where God was good to us where God was generous with us where God fought for us where God displayed His extravagant grace we've got to revisit that we've got to revisit that and and that is exactly what Samson does in judges chapter number 14. Samson is busy doing the work of God if you read the story of judges 14, Samson wasn't always off base. He wasn't always corrupt there. There was a there there was a a, a Sincerity that marked his life and ministry in the beginning and he was all about God and doing God's work and doing God's will and Was pursuing that and as he's going to, to carry out this divine mission this this unfolding sense of purpose In his life the bible says that there's a lion that comes against him the lion at timnath and it's a young lion so it's it's got a lot of strength it's got sharp teeth it's at the peak of its health at the peak of its game it attacks samson and samson defeats it with his bare hands so talk about a victory the help with the help of god samson Destroys the lion so what a victory what what a absolutely massive miracle and then he goes on continues on and 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 does what God wants him to do and then as again He's pursuing the work of God and and living out the purposes of God He comes back by where God was on him so mightily he returns to Timnath And there he finds in the carcass of the lion some honey. And that honey, when Samson reaches in and grabs the honey and begins to feed off of it, begins begins to enjoy it, that honey on Samson's own account, we, we read it as our text in the beginning, gave him strength. It was the honey that gave him strength. It was the honey that enabled him to continue. It was the the honey that allowed him to have another victory tomorrow. Now listen, Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 10 tells us that it is the joy of the Lord that is our strength. And so what I've come today to tell those of you that are like me and that are struggling with enjoying the joy of the Lord in our life hear me today there is always for those of you that do not feel very joyful for those of you that are dealing with anxiety and tension and stress and anger there is always honey to be found and there is always fresh joy when we go back to time Times and places where God showed himself strong, merciful, and generous on our behalf. We've got to go down memory lane and if we have to go all the way back the night that we came forward and surrendered our life to Jesus and realized that all of our sins had been washed away and there was no guilt any longer and we now had a future with hope. We've got to go back to the day that our marriage was was on the rocks and almost in divorce court but with the help of a Rutland driven conference and the help of the Holy Spirit the marriage turned around we got to go back to that we got to go back to those moments when we were so sick that we could barely move and the doctor gave us a, a dreadful diagnosis but God stepped in and healed us and turned us around we've got to go back to those moments and feed from that honey but listen each of And this is what I want to get to so I can wrap up. Each of these memory banks exist only because their first was some unpleasant reality. God can only show himself strong when you were in a place of weakness. God can only be merciful to you when you are in a place of guilt. God can only be generous to you when your back was to the wall and you were in a place of, of lack or bankruptcy. And that's why Samson said this, Judges 14 and 14, And he said to them, Out of the eater came something to eat and out of the strong came something sweet. And in three days they could not solve the riddle i i rushed to kind of mock them and make fun of them if you're familiar with this passage who couldn't figure this out in three days but here's the reality of the matter this remains a riddle for the majority of us to this day we still can't wrap our brain around the fact that strength and struggle joy and jostling coexist we erroneously believe that joy is an absence of the struggle and if i can just get hardship and trial free then i'll be happy if I could just get through this really emotional season right now, then I'm going to feel better. I'm going to be able to get some rest. If I can just kind of get some things worked out, then I'll be able to serve more. I'll be able to get more involved. If I can just get some of these, these heavy distractions worked through, then, then I'll take my, my walk with Jesus to another level. But it takes an eater. It takes a lion in your life. It takes those struggles and hardships to have something to eat. And it takes something strong. It takes something brutal. Something some some measure of betrayal. Some, some level of disappointment to have sweet. You cannot have one without the other. Today I, I, I called this the fight for joy. Ironically, really, I I call it the fight for joy, but this fight is certainly one of unconventional means. It it is not a it is not a fight to strive. It is not a fight to continue in unceasing works because that's what we're doing right now and it's not working. We're pacing the floor, we're, we're, we're listening to, to positive thinking podcasts, we're trying to read books, we're trying to move the pieces around of the things happening in our life. We're, we're, we're feeling the pressure like it's all on us and that's not working. So th- this fight is not one of striving and effort, it is a fight of surrender. In Judges 14, Samson fighting the lion, this was not an exercise in his own superiority. This was not an opportunity for him to kind of take off his shirt for the paparazzi that were nearby and, and show off his strength. Maybe flex those triceps and jiggle those pecs so everyone can see just how amazing he really is. No, that this this fight with the lion this struggle it was it was about a, a, it was about none of those things it wasn't trying to show how smart he was h- how resourceful how powerful how anointed any of that it was listen to me my friends it was a fight to remain submitted to the will of god it was a fight to stay surrendered to god's mission and purpose And so the last big idea I want to leave with you here today is simply the amount of your joy is related to the depth of your surrender. The amount of your joy is related to the depth of your surrender. The great author and Christian apologeticist C.S. Lewis, do you know that at one time in his life before he became a christian c.s lewis defined himself by unyielding despair c.s lewis was a very depressed miserable unhappy anxious stressed out person yes i'm talking about the same c.s lewis who wrote the chronicles of narnia the same C.S. Lewis who penned the screw tape letters, the same C.S. Lewis who has influenced modern Christianity in a profound manner. At one point in time, he, he did not have joy, he did not know joy, he did not operate in joy. But of his own admission, he decides to reluctantly surrender to reluctantly let go to this idea that there is a god and that this god has a plan for my life and this god died for me and this god wants me to to make my life matter this god wants me to discover my purpose this god wants me to make a difference he began to surrender and it was so great what began to happen that he wrote a book are you ready for this surprised by joy surprised by joy the same CS Lewis who was suicidal in a dark place withdrawn writes a book surprised by joy after what began to unfold after he surrendered I want you to think about think about times in your life when you have moments of joy I would say that it's usually when you are enjoying a moment free of responsibility or demands. So for me, that's on a cruise ship. (laughs) You moms, that's when the kids are off of summer break and back in school that's when maybe all of us are on vacation at Disneyland it's we're in an environment where we are free of responsibility and demands that's what I love about a cruise I don't even have to think about where I want to go to eat what kind of entertainment I want to do it's just all right there I just got to shuffle myself down to what is available no responsibility no demands and that's really what surrender looks like surrender for those of you that are afraid or intimidated by this concept surrender is just constantly reminding yourself that God is responsible God is in charge God is the source God has the final word we need to just let God be god because when we seize control and when we feel like everything depends on us and that we have to make something happen that is when that crushing weight of supreme leadership comes off of god and it starts pressing down on us and it squeezes every drop every tiny drop of joy that is on the inside of us. So I've come today, Restoration Church, to challenge you and to remind you to fight for joy. Fight to stay surrendered to the purposes of God on your life. Fight to let God stay in charge of your life. Fight to stay on the mission that God has called you to because there is joy that is going to come out of your struggle in the same way the sweet came out of the strong. There's going to be joy that can come out of your struggle. You can overcome and go back to the very thing that is robbing you of your ability to smile today. You're going to be able to come back to that in days ahead and feed off of the honey that's there and that's going to give you the strength to carry on and to fight for another day and to enjoy God's goodness for another day. You're going to be able to come back to this very moment to what's trying to take you out and you're going to be able to celebrate because everything that you've ever been through has been designed to inspire you to sing and to carry you through your next obstacle. There's sweet that's going to come out of your strong. Come on, Restoration. Will you clap your hands if you believe that here today? There's sweet that's going to come out of your strong. The honey of joy is going to be there when you come through this dark valley that you've been passing through, he's with you. He's with you. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to pray for you here today. I want to pray for two kinds of people. I want to pray for those of you that identify with Jesus but yet you're struggling when it comes to joy and you're going through rough times you're in a battle right now and you don't know if anyone really knows or if, and you certainly know no one understands if that's you would you just lift your hand right where you are I want to know who it is that I'm praying for no one's looking around heads bowed eyes closed thank you so many hands I know that God brought me here today for a reason. Thank you for holding up your hand. I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray that God helps you through this, that God gives you supernatural strength, that you destroy the lion, and that you're able to enjoy the joy that comes from that experience in your life. The sweet is going to come from the strong. Lord Jesus, for every hand that was lifted in this place, I pray that you would comfort them right now some of us in a battle just need to be reminded that you are with us and that you don't that you don't overlook us and I, and that you're gonna surround us god i pray right now that you would just fill their hearts filled with courage in the same manner that you did samson when he faced a lion at the peak of its game. i pray that you would give these people your courage your power your ability i pray that you would help them through whatever it is that they're facing so that on the other side they can draw strength from the joy of how you've been so good and how you were there for them how you've never left us nor forsake us we give you praise for it in jesus name and the next group of people that i want to reach for here today are those of you that realize that you need to surrender You recognize that you are trying to hang on to control. You're trying to, you're trying to sit in God's seat. You're trying to be the one in charge and it's stressing you out. And it's bringing you to, a, to, to an uncomfortable place, a, a place that you're not supposed to be. You know you need to surrender. Maybe you're surrendering to Jesus for the very first time or for the first time in a long time, or you just need to re-surrender because you've been wrestling things out of God's hands that are meant to stay in His hands. No one's looking around. Would you lift your hand up? If you're here today and you're saying, I surrender, I'm going to surrender my life Again, I'm going to surrender my life for the first time. Thank you many hands raised. Thank you Let's all pray this prayer together Say, Lord Jesus. I believe that you are the one true God and Right now I make the decision To turn to you. I make the decision to surrender to you Forgive me of my sins take control of my life make me a new person I make the decision now to follow you the rest of my life and to let you be my Lord and my leader in Jesus name and everybody said amen